Welcome to Identity Church Sunday Morning Message, where sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. How many have been following the Identity Series? Thank you, Ron. Um, this is week four for you that know me when I do a PowerPoint it is to keep me on track because I specifically want to tear down unbelief and lies that we in the body of Christ have lived under and I'm, I'm laying it out scripturally and I'm telling you I hear some of you screaming because I am killing your holy cows. Because we have had a bad form of the gospel. Some of the things I was taught have been wrong. I'm glad my mom and dad are dead so I don't have to argue with them. (laughs) But it's interesting. Listen, it's interesting that Some of the mysteries of the kingdom and some of the things that have happened to me, you know, I've been been starting to dream again. And I usually go in seasons and cycles of dreaming. And I, I, I had a dream last week that I woke up in the middle of. Okay. And I realized I've been dreaming again. And some of the stuff I've been getting, I'm actually getting out of heaven where my father is teaching a class. Now, my father's been dead for two years now. Three weeks after he passed away, um, I was in Dallas, Texas on a business trip, and I went to sleep, and I went to heaven, went to meet Jesus, which has happened on many occasions, and I thought I was there to see him, and he said, no, uh, today your dad wants to meet with you. And I walked into this room, into this doorway. It was all, there was another doorway here, Beautiful, bright, brilliant room. Then my dad walks in. He's 35-ish, 36, 240 pounds, broad shoulders, in a white robe. And he had this green bowl of fruit. And he comes up to me and he goes, uh, how you doing, son? I'm like, I'm good, dad. And he says, you know, I'm proud of you. I said, yeah, we kind of fixed most of that before you died. I mean, I know you are. He goes, yeah. He said, I am proud of you. I said, thank you, dad. He said, um, I got a problem. I need some help. I'm like, what? You're the only man I know that would finally get to heaven and have a problem. <laughs> and if you know me and my dad, and you know, you've read the book, you, you know, our relationship. I said, dad, what is your problem? He goes, hey, you want some fruit? And so I took, I took a bite of this fruit. And, and when, I, when I tasted this fruit, it was like energy and life went through my body. Just it was, it was the best. I know it was a prophetic dream because I don't really like fruit in the natural. It's not what I do. But it just was life-giving. And I took another handful. And I'm like, whoa, that's some really good stuff. And he says, yeah. And I said, so what's your problem? He goes, it's the fruit. I said, what do you mean? He said, son, you're supposed to show up in heaven with crowns with jewels in them. And I have some of those but you're not supposed to show up with fruit. I should have given 
the fruit away to you and others. And I'm sorry. And my dad had, I mean, just a historical record of serving God. But he hid the intimate, mystical, prophetic things. Later on in years, some of the prophetic encounters that I was having that he made me feel second rate and weird, come to find out he had had them too. He just didn't talk about them. And so if he would have shared some of that, my journey would have been easier. But I have, on three occasions, I go into a classroom that he's teaching in heaven on how not to show up with fruit, to giving it, giving it away. And so my, his, my history, my inheritance is in heaven trying to give it to us now because he didn't do it then. And so some of this stuff is, is definitely stretching some of us. Our mystical union with Christ. The first week we did, we, we taught about your dead to sin and you're under a new operating system. Week two is you're free from the law, but you're living under the law of the spirit. Week three was um, ongoing warfare, flesh versus the spirit. And today we're going to talk about the mystical union of Christ. Um, all of those are on our YouTube channel. I have all the notes for that if you want to download them. This is the foundation that I'm, I'm going to be building for about 12, 13 weeks. Who am I in Christ? The greatest need in the church today is to be able to fully and clearly answer the question to ourselves and others, who I am in Christ. What is my identity? What is the Father's ultimate purpose for me? Last week, we saw that sin must not be thought of primarily as breaking the rules. Now, this is, this is where people have issues with me. Sin isn't that I did something wrong or that I did misbehaved. Sin is, is essentially the breaking of our relationship. All right. I'll, I'll, take me, I'll take you to the religious mat on this. Did Jesus pay for the sins of the world? Once and for all on the cross. Okay, so you don't have a sin problem. You have a revelation problem of who he is and what he has already accomplished in your life. There's the biggest wrestling match right there because everybody's going to say, oh, that behavior. Oh, he's full of sin. He's, you know, that behavior. No, there's an identity issue or there's a, a, bro a broken relationship issue. Sin is not the problem. That went over well. I can see it in your faces. The fall of man, the entrance of sin, was a call to independence. It was the in insane attempt for human beings to break relationship with God and to find meaning in themselves instead of God. You shall be as God. The temptation of Satan in Genesis 3 was, you shall be as God. Think of this. Only God has life in himself. God is self-existence. God doesn't get his life from anywhere. You shall be as God. He is self-existent, self-sufficient. He is unbeginning source of all. He is life. He is life. God doesn't have any life. He is life. I've said it three times now. I will be just like God. 
The heart of sin is saying, I will just be like God. It's like I will cut myself loose from God, from his wisdom, from his love, and from his life. This is what sin is. I can't find, I can't find all the life I need. I can find all the love I need and all the wisdom I need. I can handle in myself just like God. I will be self-sufficient. I will be self-existent. I will handle my life. That is the heart full of sin. It's interesting. This, um, this week I, I got... Anybody have a spanking from God? I got a spanking from God this week. Papa Jack's been dead now several months. And got to be honest, haven't needed him. Life's been good. Haven't really missed him until this week. Got some things going on. I'm like, boy, it sure would be nice to pick up the phone and go, hey, Papa Jack, give me some love. Give me some encouragement. Give me some life. And he's not around. He's gone. And so God shows up. Oh, you'd rather have Jack than me? And I'm like, wow, I can't believe I would even get myself in that position with God the Father that I would rather go to an earthly father than a... And it was like a kick in the teeth, man. And so... (laughs) He says to me, he says, you know, he says, my son had stripes on his back for healing and things like that. He says, but... but, um, you're, you're pursuing the wrong stripes. I said, what does that mean? Listen, I'm your father. Jack's gone. You're carrying part of his mantle. I'm giving people a heart to pursue you as a father. I'm like, not the crazy ones. Please, I need a new batch. <laughs> so, so, you know, he talked about the stripes because I'm pushing for I'm I'm pushing to see supernatural healings. Okay, by his stripes we're healed, right? By his stripes we're healed. He says you're push you're pursuing the wrong stripes. This is all about him. I mean, I love Jack Taylor. I'm glad God put him in my life. I, I I love some of you, not all of you, but most of you. Okay, now you awake. You want to talk? <laughs> now let's talk. <laughs> and so. I've been pondering that. I repented. I talked to my friend Brian Higby and told him I got a spanking, and he thought it was funny. And did pretty good. So the last couple of days, I mean, Ron and I are going to go preach in St. Augustine to, tonight, and I'm like, I have no message. Ron keeps telling me when I'm going to preach. I'm like, no. And I'm like, you know, I'm a lion. I can roar. I understand the prophetic. And so I'm kind of like, I'm not even going to attempt to put a message together and find out what God's going to do when we show up. So last night I can't sleep and I get my earbuds on and I see this video of a zebra being attacked by a lion. This zebra kicks this lion and knocks his bones of his jaw out. And I hear, I'm like, Wow, that lion got its butt kicked by a striped zebra. Yeah, wrong stripes. 
When you pursue the wrong stripes, you lose your ability to roar. And I got a whooping last night at one o'clock watching a stupid lion video. And, and what God is saying is, listen, what you don't understand this, this union with me, it's about me, God said. He thinks it's about him. I mean, I love the Jack Taylors and we need each other. But listen, if we haven't figured it out, it's actually about him. And he's not anything separate from that. He considers sin. Not your behavior. Not even the lie you believed. That's not a big deal to him. It's the breaking of your relationship. It is unplugging from the source of meaning. Now, having to try and find meaning apart from from your source. Coffee maker. Purpose is to make coffee. If unplugged from the source of electricity, it cannot fulfill its meaning of life. To make coffee. Last week I did a full thing on. So you must find meaning within yourself when you're disconnected. You'll start looking at the size of the pot, the shape of the pot, the color of the pot. You can even fill it with coffee grounds and water, and it's still not going to make coffee. Why? Because it's unplugged from its source. And that's what many Christians are. We look like a pot. We smell like a pot. We ain't got no power. Humans were created to be dependent on God, to receive his love and display his love. If we were not connected to him, we lose our meaning in life. Must find meaning in ourselves, our flesh, any part of our life that is not under divine influence. That's what we'll do. So we try to find meaning in our relationships, our jobs, pleasures, hobbies. Why is humanity like this? Family resemblance. We're all born into a family, the wrong family. This is why we are the way we are. I just heard three of you go, where in the heck is he going? (laughs) What you talking about? (laughs) Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because of all sin. You may be thinking, that's not fair. Just because my ancestors sinned, I am left with this mess. You are not guilty because of Adam's sin, but you do live in the consequences of his sin. And that's just the way it is. All right. I am a white man. I didn't know if you knew that. I want to explain. I'm a white. If I move to Africa... I'm still going to be white. If I move to Australia, I'm still going to be white. I can go to the tanning bed. I can put on tanning lotion and get that natural-looking orange skin, but I'm still going to be white. I can't change that. I can be rich. I can be poor. I can be a Democrat. I can be a Republican. I can cheer for the Dolphins. I can cheer for the Buccaneers, but I'm still going to be white. I may want to be black. <laughs> I can be able to disguise myself as black for a short time and fool people until they see me dance or try to clap on beat. <laughs> and you're going to figure it out. I'm white. Now, some of you have never had the opportunity to see me preach in a very large black church, but that is truly my anointing. 
That is truly my, my real, I consider that my national call. And dude, I am, I've had a, a, a black pastor tell me, man, you're the blackest white man I ever seen in your life. Yeah, well, when the anointing comes on me, they go, oh, he's white. He's still white. Until they, <laughs> then they all know. Here's the other one, though. Not only am I white, I'm also a coker. I'm from one particular white family, the Coker family. I'm the latest addition of the Coker clan. Everything that I am and everything I'm doing was, was in the potential of my ancestors. Now listen, when, when the title of this is the, this mystical union is we, we forget that the kingdom is eternal. So why am I having prophetic encounters with my father who's been dead for two years, and he's teaching now what he should have taught on earth if God's not eternal. And to argue with one of my Baptist friends, I was like, yeah, the problem is if you would die to your own religion now, you may be able to have some relationships that I have. It's appointed unto man once to die. The problem is we won't bend our knee and receive the mysteries and the mystical things of God in the kingdom. All my children and children are in me. I am a coker. I am the least, the latest unique extension of my ancestors in the unfolding history of the coker family. Because I, like you, did not just spring out of nothing. We just don't appear, appear out of thin air. We came from someone. Go to Ancestry.com and build your family tree. We came from Scotland. We actually weren't called cokers. I forget what we were, but we weren't cokers. We were something else. We had lots of criminal, and we had a kingly line. You know. So we were kingly criminals. <laughs> no, I mean, when you, when you, you trace our family back. <clears throat> then we came to South Carolina. And basically, when Europe kind of opened up the uh, prisons, <laughs> they sent everybody to America. That's my family. <laughs> then we moved to Florida. Susie's family, they're German and Swedish. My poor kids are mixed, and so are you. Right? My children's history are in my history. Back to the future. Remember the movie? When parents weren't going to get married, they started fading. So there wouldn't be no George McFly, there would be no Marty McFly. Go to the store, pick up the latest edition of one of Shakespeare's plays. Supposing he had died when he was three years old, there'd be no Hamlet. Let's take it one step further. I'm more than white. I'm more than a coker. I am human. You and I are the latest addition of the Adam family. We all came from Adam. Do not sing the song. Do not sing. Susie, will you start to sing it? <laughs> Just as my father would have died as a boy, I would, I would have died. All of us are in Adam. All of mankind are in Adam. When Adam sinned and went into the spiritual death and corruption, we took all, he, he took all the human race into spiritual death and corruption. It's our part. This is the part of our family resemblance. 
We all died spiritually in Adam. We inherited a, a nature that declared its independence from God. And we all agreed with that nature. If I wanted to be black, I was born in the wrong family. It doesn't matter how hard I try, I was born into a white family. I may want to, to, to be alive to God, but I was born in the wrong family. See where I'm going now? We were all born into Adam's family. What about salvation? Salvation isn't just getting forgiveness of my sins. It includes that. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But I need more than forgiveness. I need a divine life, divine strength that will carry me into the potential for which I was created, to be conformed into the image of Christ. How does God do it? Since all of humanity was born into the wrong family, the first Adam's family, we need a second man to restart the human race. The second Adam who can set right what was first Adam's brought into destruction. This second Adam can and then took mankind to the intimacy with God that he had been created to enjoy. Just as Adam was an individual but also literally contained all of humankind within himself, Jesus contains the new creation in him. Think about that. He is the new man. He is the second Adam who restarts the different kind of race, the new creation. Jesus started this human race all over again. This is a new mankind. It's just as if God took a bunch of dust and started creation all over again. This is this reborn, this identity. If we don't get some of this, we will keep running back to the Adams family and try to apply new creation principles and be frustrated. You hear me? All of humanity is part of one of two races. You're either in Adam with his sin nature and family resemblances, or you're in Christ with his nature being conformed into his image and likeness. Choose your family. Christians have a hard time because we read the Bible and we start applying Adam principles, Old Testament principles, and we forget that we are a new creation. We are not in Adam's family anymore. Last week it was flesh versus spirit. Which family are you? Jesus was God who became a human being and joined himself to our humanity so we could be joined to him. I already said you were crazy. Jesus became one of us so that we could become, as he is, conformed to his image. Paul paints a picture of what happens when you are born again. Paul uses water baptism to illustrate this truth. Listen, Romans 6, 5, again, in some other translations. You have been united with him in a death like his. You have been planted together in the ground in the likeness of his death. We have become one with him by sharing his death. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into new country of grace, a new life 
in a new land. Your participation in Christ's death was up close and intimate. When I was putting all this together, I I, I came to a, a, a gratitude that Holy Spirit gave me early on in my Christian walk. I share this a lot. I went, I was battling my old nature, I was battling my old behaviors, and I couldn't get free, and I was crying out for help. I've written about it in two of my books. I wound up at the foot of Jesus' cross. I'm wrapping around the cross, and I'm looking up, and where they had pierced his side, blood was running down his side, down his door, came down his thigh, and came right down, where his feet were, Blood came to the front of his feet, came all the way down, and I'm looking up, and one drop of blood falls off his toe and lands on the top of my head. And peace came. A renewed mind came. And I'm I'm looking at my Christian walk, and I'm going, "That, that, that was a pivotal moment. I knew that my old nature, my old behaviors was gone. One drop. I'm asking God, reveal the cross with fresh blood. The body of Christ needs fresh blood. You need a fresh encounter that your sins are washed away. You you need a, a new family tree that starts at the cross, that tree, not the tree in the garden. That's pretty good. I ought to preach that sometime. What tree are you hanging on to? It is a mystical reality that you actually shared a burial with him. You went into the tomb with Christ. Feel it. Smell the dirt. Get this revelation in you. Realize how final it was. When the water flowed over you, It was as if we were in the grave with him. The old sinner that you once were in Adam completely died to the same degree that Christ completely died. New birth is not adding on to me a new nature. The new birth is bringing into being someone who was not before and now is. You were never created until you were born again the way you're created now. Jesus paralyzes parallels this reality to natural birth. If your natural birth, when you were born, suddenly there is someone who was not in existence before. You're born again. There is now a total and utterly new person. The person that you were that was born into this world is now called the old man. Before you were born again, it was just man. But now you are born again. There is a brand new you. What you were called is old. It is described as having been put to death in Jesus Christ. There is a new me that has been made alive to God in every way. Every way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has become. All this is from God. This is 
a mystical reality that happens when you're born again that plunges us into all the Christ, all that Christ is and has done for us instantaneously and irrevocable. I am at one with Christ to the point where I have shared in and participated in his history. Now, I can take his history and I can go back and see him dealing with the prophets in the Old Testament. I see him as the angel that shows up and challenges Joseph. I see Christ all through the scripture. That's my history. I have access to all of that. But I am a new creature. Listen, I have had no problem years ago calling fire upon you like the Old Testament prophets. But I have now figured out I am not an Old Testament prophet. I live under grace. I need to prophesy under grace. You remember that guy? That guy loved you. He loved you enough to tell you the truth that he only knew. That was good. <laughs> Don't get, oh, I remember that one. What is true of him is now true of me. He was crucified. I was crucified with him. He was buried. I was buried with him. He was raised from the dead to a newness of life. I was raised from the dead with the newness of life. Now listen. This is the reality. When I tell people that I've gone to heaven, I've gone into encounters with Jesus, I've spoken to my parents, both of them, was introduced to an older brother that only lived five months in my mother's womb, and we had a conversation that was documented that just freaked us all out. Back to the point where my dad, I said to my dad, and I had it written down, I said, so what were you going to name this boy? He goes, it's the darndest thing. Your mother and I got into the biggest argument because I wanted to name that child Charles Layton Coker Jr., which I named you that. He said, but she was adamant they were going to name him Carl. I'm like, mm -hmm, his name's Carl. You lost, dude. But that reality started breaking that mean religious thing my dad had because he started realizing that this kingdom walk is an eternal walk and everything that heaven has he has actual access to and when i had that encounter i said dad mom and my brother carl have been interceding for their inheritance on earth to manifest that encounter started opening my father's heart to the eternal life, to the kingdom realm. Or we, we would have killed each other. We would have. So here's my, here's, when she prophesied weird stuff, Listen, if you're not grounded in this, it will become weird. 
But going to heaven, seeing Jesus, not worshiping angels, but realizing that they're there to minister for you is not weird. It should be natural. We make it weird because we don't understand it that this is our legal right in Christ Jesus. If I'm in Christ Jesus, does he go in and out of heaven? Yeah, then I do too. I'm seated in heavenly places. Well, then why don't you go sit down? He was seated, there it is, he was seated in 70 places above every ruler, principality, and spiritual authority. So are you. I mean, I know last week, Stephanie, I stuck my foot in the mouth last week. Stephanie gets in the worship team, and she starts singing that song, Go to the Enemy's Camp and Take Back. I hate that song. And I got up and verbalized it. Remember? Well, come to find out, Dan and Terry had asked her to sing it. Great. Did you send a video of me going, I hate that song? Okay. Well, I already told him, I hate that song. Why? We shouldn't be going to any camp to get what he stole from us because he should never have been able to steal it from us. And so I, I don't like that song. I understand there's a time you got to go get your stuff. I understand. But that cannot be my mentality. <laughs> Terry, Terry understood. I've been seated in heavenly places above every ruler, principality, and spiritual authority. This is what it means to be in Christ and to have had Christ in you. So that everything I was has been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I am alive. I am alive with the very life that, that courses through the human nature of Jesus Christ, who was God-man. So now I am living, learning to live this life through me. I consider myself as having died, and now I am enjoying a second existence, which is simply Jesus using my body. Paul never spoke of himself as trying to be like Jesus, but Christ himself living in and through Paul. This is your new identity. Christ has done everything as us and for us. Christ has done everything as us and for us. That'll just make your pinball machine go pew, pew. At salvation, we are so completely joined to Jesus, and he is so completely joined to us. And he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Go read John 15. Jesus is not telling us a parable. Jesus is describing a parallel between the relationship a vine has to its branches and the relationship that we have to Jesus through the Spirit. That'll mess your mind up. Jesus is the vine. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. Everything that is true of the vine relationship to the branch is true to the relationship to believers. Jesus didn't say, this intimate relationship between the vine and the branches is something you move toward as a future, deeper life experience. It is. 
Some of you need to get off the journey and actually show up. Jesus said that divine branch relationship is an accomplished fact. This is where believers are now in our relationship with him. We do not know or understand this relationship when, when we are reborn any more than a newborn baby understands what a human being is. But like the baby, we grow into what is and has become true for the moment, from the moment of conception. It will take us the rest of our lives to begin to fathom the unsearchable riches that are in Christ. But you will never grow in your understanding of this or your experience of this until you grasp the truth that you are now in Christ. This is your new address in Christ. God's new address is Christ in you. Some of you keep trying to find God, and he's right here. Bigger with some people. Not as big with others. If if you have a new address in him, he has a new address in you. You don't need to send him a postcard. You just need to rub his belly. God is not commanding you to try and become a branch. He is pulling back the veil and letting you in on a mystery. You are united with Christ in a way that his life penetrates your life in every way. If you put a steel sword into fire, after a while you draw it out. I watched the Discovery Channel that forged by fire. You ever seen that? This is this is really cool. The steel is steel is still the steel. Say that again. The steel is steel the steel. <laughs> still the steel. It has all the attributes of steel. And the fire is still the fire. But the fire is in the steel. If it sits in those coals long enough, it turns red. So the fire now, the steel is steel is the same, but now the fire is inside the steel. The fire has penetrated every molecule of the steel. And now you take that sword and you touch a piece of wood, the wood will at least get scorched and maybe even catch on fire. But swords don't make things burn. Swords, swords only cut. But this sword has been penetrated with fire. The fire and the steel have become one. The fire is still fire. The steel is still steel, and yet they have become one. Listen to me. What's God's new address? And one of God's names is a consuming fire. So why shouldn't, when I touch somebody with the attributes of Christ in me, you should, you should feel a little burning, maybe a little smoke, because that's what fire does. You have been joined to Jesus Christ, and the fire of his glorious humanity has penetrated your humanity. You are still you, but you are not just you. You are one with him, 
And therefore, you're not just steel. You can do what only fire can do. You are not merely human. You are possessed by God and living in union with him, just like he always intended. Your life is caught up into his hands, and his life is caught up into yours. Now you can have meaning in life. You look at the branches, you look at the vine, they share the same nature. The nature of the vine flows through the whole plant. The vine and the branch have the same history. The history of the vine is the history of the branches. You can't tell where the branch begins and the vine ends. They are one, absolutely one. The vine and the branches have the same history. Even though the branches are distinct, they are individual. They are organically one part of the vine. Every branch draws all of its life from the vine. So if you cut off the branch, it will soon die. If the vine dies, so do the branches. If the vine miraculously resurrects, so do the branches. The history of the vine is the history of the branches. Jesus so completely joined himself to our humanity. Because Jesus is God, he could stand for the whole human race so that everyone who put their trust in him could die to the old Adam's way of life and be reborn into the new Jesus kind of life. In the same way that Adam stood for all of us, Jesus stood on behalf of all of us. I know some of you are going, this is pretty basic. Well, really? Where's your miracles? If we understood this basics, we'd be touching people with holy fire. When he died, he died with him. When he was buried, we were buried with him. When he rose from the dead, we rose with him. When he ascended into heaven and was seated in heavenly places with authority over all things, we ascended with him. There's my, there's my point. We have been united with Christ. We have been mystically united with Christ so that you now have available an interrupted flow of his life into yours. We have died with Christ in his death. We have died for what we were in Adam, which is the old man. We no longer live or act in the sphere of the realm of the sin. We don't breathe that air anymore. 1 John 4:17. as Jesus Christ is, so are we in this world. When I join myself to Jesus, his history becomes my history. I am part of his family line. I inherited his nature. I bear his family resemblance. What he has access to, I have access to. I had a situation in business that was just frost in my... It, I was... I've been doing what I've been doing for 45 years, and I wanted to shoot one of my bosses. But he was about to cost me $17,000. So I went to him, told him what I needed, and he turned it down. We're not doing it. He gave me his reasons. They're wrong, but he's the boss. And I sat on it and stewed on it to the point where it became frustration. And my wife and I, when we have issues like that, sometimes we, you know, what's the worst case scenario? Okay, Susie, here's the worst case scenario. My company's wrong. My customer's right. I know my boss doesn't like it. 
but are you willing to, I'm willing to stroke a $17,000 check to keep this million dollar customer. If my company won't, I will. She's like, are you sure? Sometimes you got to realize how you, what you're going to do. And I sat on it and waited for the timing. And I prayed because, you know, when you challenge a boss, you better have your duckies in a row. And long and short of it, I even had, I was desperate. I had Ron pray. (laughs) That's pretty desperate when you ask Ron to pray. I had, I had a, a another guy praying with me out in uh, New Mexico, and and so I, I was just I dealt with everything, did all my due diligence, and called my boss. I said, "Listen," I said, uh, "You know I respect authority." So, yeah, I said, um, "This situation with these the seventeen thousand dollars that need to go back, and you're the boss. I don't know everything, but I can tell you that." I won't go over your head without telling you I'm about to go over your head and I'm going to go to your boss. I'm going to explain my case, tell him what I believe is that we are wrong and that I'm willing to do this. Now, if your boss tells me we're not doing it, I'll stroke the check. He starts laughing. He said, yeah, you, you understand authority. And let me explain why I did that. He gives me this long business thing that we were in the middle of some buyout with another company. And he had, he goes, if I would have taken that kind of return back to my boss, they would have investigated it and blah, blah, blah. I said, why didn't you tell me that? He said, well, I wanted to see what you were going to do with it. I said, so you telling me the whole time you know I'm right? He goes, oh, yeah, you were right. And And... And he calls me preach. I said, he, he says, I just want to make sure we're good because I want to have a good weekend. I don't want someone to show up to try to kill me. <laughs> I'm like, we're good, boss. He said, well, Monday, send me the paperwork. I'll do it. And I'm like, God, what, what, what happened here? This was a big deal. And the Lord says, yeah, but, you know, if you really would have asked me eight weeks ago, I would have told you it's going to go this way. But look at the effort and the energy you spent not bringing it to me. Now, my wife's back there going, I told you not to worry about it. But I am, I make things happen. I have a creative nature. I was going to figure it out. Yeah, Susie's the one that would have wrote that check. But but what am I saying? I have I have the source of all sources living in me, and I spent a lot of energy, a lot of shoulda, woulda, couldas. You know, if all the if all the ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a merry Christmas. But you know, and only if I did that and I but this and but yeah, you know, and, and and you start all this. Sucking the life out of you. He lives in us. He lives in us. And what what am I trying to tell you? I'm I'm processing what I'm teaching. 
and, and, you know, I finally get there, but I wasted six weeks. What he has access to, Jesus, what he has access, listen to me, what he has access to, I have access to. Does he know the end from the beginning? Why didn't I ask? Why did I not ask? Because I'm supposed to be self-sufficient. I'm not supposed to worry. Well, if I would have heard it's going to be okay, I wouldn't have worried. But I didn't even take it to him. My human nature has been caught up into his human glorified nature. My human nature is intermixed with his human nature. The one thing I have a problem with the Bible is we had a little snippet of a 12-year-old Jesus, and he never got in trouble but once. How many of you have raised kids? I don't even think that God is perfect when it comes to kids. There had to be great. I mean, even if he was the miraculous Jesus and all the other kids got in trouble for jumping in the, in the mud puddle and Jesus would walk over it. I mean, I mean I, it, it didn't happen that way. Can you hear Mary going, Jesus, quit raising that dog from the dead. It stinks. You're late now. He was practicing being, you know, raising things from the dead. His mother, I'm sure he got in trouble with the miraculous. He is as human as we are. Jesus does not be, does, Jesus does not become us, and we do not become him. But I am in him, and he is in me. There's hot water. It's tasteless, colorless, just hot water. And then there's a tea bag. When I take the tea bag and place it into the hot water, something happens. It's called infusion. The result is that all the strength of the tea bag the tea are given to the hot water. The hot water did nothing to receive it except be there. So much is the strength of the tea infused into the water that we now call the water tea. We should call it colored water. We actually call it tea now. What the heck happened? Infusion. But is it really tea? The tea is still in the bag. The tea has given the hot water its strength. You might say it has given its life. It, it has infused itself into the hot water so that the water now conveys to me the taste of tea, the color of tea, and the strength of tea. That's Jesus, man. But the tea is still in the tea bag. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who infuses his strength in me. That's my version. The same word we use for making tea. I do not become Christ. See, there's some of this. He is, he is the eternal Son of God. I could never become God. But through the Holy Spirit, he infuses his life into mine. And my colorless, 
tasteless life takes on his very strength, his very attributes of love, the power of the works, the power of the works of the devil we destroy. I live, not I, but Christ who lives in me. We have participated in the divine nature. We have been united with Christ. His history has become our history. When he died, we died. Our Adam existence is no more. What is true of Christ is now true of you. Today, I shared with you the most incredible miracle of leaving the old man, becoming united to Christ. You have been reborn into a new species of being the moment you put your faith in Christ. So now, how do I live that out? This week, I want you to understand those facts. I want you to study it. That's why the notes in the PowerPoint are there. We're going, as a body, we're going to figure out who we are in Christ. Don't keep referring to your experience. You'll always get discouraged. Why did I put that there? We keep going back to an experience, and we don't create new experiences. And I believe God is starting to expand the revelation of himself and his kingdom. He is expanding it. You will fight that religious spirit, the old nature, some of the things that we taught, some of the things I taught. I understand that truly has happened to you as a believer and be ready to see how it makes it work, how we make it work next week. I started this series because I've been pushing God for some of his promises of seeing the miraculous. I want to do more than prophesy accuracy. I want to start functioning creative miracles. I want to start what? Is Jesus a creator? So am I. Miracles are the dinner bell of the gospel. But we're going to preach the gospel according to Christ. We're not going to preach the gospel according to Adam. To steal her tagline, I think it's... It's time to thrive instead of just survive. Wasn't that yours? I'm tired of surviving. Are you? Stand to your feet. How many are challenged with this teaching? Good. That means I'm doing my job. Because I'm going to tell you, some of this is challenging me. And you know what the problem is? This is basic Christianity. This is the true gospel. And if, we, it, it, if you, you look through where we're going, where we've gone and where we're going, you won't find sloppy grace. You know, I've wrestled with that sloppy grace message to the point where I avoided it for a while. 
but it's amazing what I can do in Christ. It's amazing what doesn't stick to me when I figure out where I'm hidden. Ron, you got a word? Who's got a, somebody's got a word in here. Come here. Grab that. I was supposed to share this earlier, but I didn't know the scripture reference off the top of my head, and I didn't want to pull the phone out in front of y'all. So, I know, I know. Okay, John 17, 25 and 26. Jesus prayed, O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them. In the origin of that word revealed is the meaning for the first time. Mm. And I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. The Old Testament did not reveal the Father to us. Jesus came to reveal the Father. Why did he do that? Because like him, he called us into sonship with the Father. So heirs, co-heirs in Christ, we're all sons, and when we understand that identity as a son, and that's why Jesus came, is, hey, all this religion you've had in the Old Testament, everything you've seen, even in the miracles, even in the prophets, they still never knew God as Father. And so Jesus was introducing something new, and, and that was why he came, so that we would know him as Father. You know the last uh, six or seven verses of Malachi? Now he will come in the spirit of Elijah. He'll turn the hearts of the children to the father and hearts of the father to the children. At least I strike the land with a curse. That's, that's Malachi. The whole Bible, God was trying to be a father to a nation. And he wouldn't let them. So he literally makes that statement in Malachi. And produces a bastard curse. A bastard is a son that's born out of no covenant. A bastard curse lasts ten generations. A bastard doesn't get the inheritance. A bastard doesn't know the father. A bastard doesn't have a place to belong. And from Malachi to Jesus standing in 40 years being a generation was 430 years. 10 generations, 400 years. There was silence between that statement and Jesus showing up in the town square, getting baptized by, he said, this is my son who I'm well pleased Four hundred thirty years. Jesus has done everything to reveal who the Father is, and there's no longer an excuse for a born again believer not to know who the Father is, who the Son is, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. 
You got smoke coming off the top of your head. What you got? <laughs> yeah. I am just rejoicing at this word. Okay. Well, when I say smoke off the top of your head, I'm, I'm literally, I, I saw, you ever you ever seen a flame at about three feet above the flame? You see the, the vapor. I was like, is it the light shining off his bald head or is that really flames? I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> but he's rejoicing, so I'll just take it as a flame. Put your hand over your heart. Lord Jesus, I ask for forgiveness because I didn't realize all you have done. And I thank you for your new address that you live in me. I thank you for trusting me to house you. Now that you're in my house, let's do some remodeling. Because my wife wants a new kitchen. (laughs) My problem with my wife's remodeling, she keeps moving me out. (laughs) So Jesus, you need to help Susie with this remodeling going on in the natural. But Lord, we thank you for the supernatural remodeling going on in our hearts. Because see, when, when, when God, when Jesus takes over and helps you remodel, You'll be able to serve food to people. And they're going to, where did you get this? How did you learn to prepare that? Because I'm cooking with Jesus. Your intimacy. The entertainment room. The intimacy room. The bathroom. The place that you prep in the morning. The place that you get clean. Man. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Father, I just impart to the individuals who have never seen the cross with you on it then felt the power of you no longer on it, but you living within us. So, Father, I just, I take those encounters that have molded and shaped me and given me an anchor. I'm asking you to give it freely. Midnight dreams, angelic encounters, all to reveal who you are and who you've called us to be. And I just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church. To know more about us, go to IdentityChurch.net, where you'll find resources such as a calendar, media, and upcoming events. You may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages, read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. 
Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.